And Mark, come up on stage, Mark. We want to welcome Mark Tyndall is the pastor of the Blue Root Vineyard. Um, and he's here to be our guest speaker today. We're really excited about that. It's good to be with you. I, I uh, love this church. You guys are doing something so important. I, I thank God for this church and to be with you. It's the third time I've been here. It's really just each time it's more people. It just feels like something's happening here. And it's important what we're doing. Uh, we are a church planning movement, the Vineyard Movement. I know when you go into a local church, it's, it's, um, it's elusive to remember that there's other churches as part of your movement. But you've got brother and sister churches all around the Philadelphia region, uh, all the way from the shore out in the Penn State area, Altoona. And it's good to be with you today. It's really important. This is why I think it's important to plant churches is because God from the beginning has uh, chosen to best express himself through incarnation. You know what incarnation means, right? In the middle, you see that little word carn, like chili con carne means chili with meat. Okay, incarnation. It's the same thing. It's this idea like God puts on flesh. God drapes himself in flesh. And of course, the biggest thing is what we celebrated Christmas. God comes to us in the flesh and represents who God really is. And so now we have got this much clearer, much more solid impression of who God is. And he's still doing the same thing. He's still incarnating himself through communities that look to him, through churches. This is the plan that God would be known by your neighbors, by your cousins, by your boss, by the people that cut your grass, by the people that you uh, 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 walk by, God wants to be known by them. And how's he going to do it? Well, the, the medium that he uses is people. You're God's plan. This is what he's doing. He's still incarnating himself. And here in Newark, Delaware, he's incarnating himself. I'm sure not. this is not the only expression of his incarnation. And I pray that you have great relationships with the other churches in Newark. I think it's super, super important. But this is one of them. And today what I want to talk to you about is uh, joy. And I know you're doing a series here, God's Not Like That. God's Not a Killjoy. And which I, I think is a huge thing to think about because one of the things that I experience in my life is that sometimes when people see me coming, they're like, uh-oh. Okay, I don't know if it's a beard or what. They're just thinking like, oh, this is going to be bad. And if I, I'm telling you, a million times this happened. Or 14. <laughs> I'll say to somebody, could I speak to you in my office? And they're like, I wouldn't like that. I don't want that. <laughs> and I don't know what it's, what's happened between me and them before that they're thinking that, but it happens again and again and again. And people immediately go to like, what did I do wrong? Why does he want to talk to me? The truth is, our lobby is kind of echoey, and I'm getting old, and I can't hear well, and I just want a little quiet because I want to say something. I want to say, hey, you did a great job with that last project or something like that. They're like, oh, thank you. And, and good grief, I think people think that God wants to rip you off. I, I see this again and again. It's not that people don't believe there is a God, essentially. I know there are some people who genuinely have figured out that there is no God, and that's another talk. But I think a lot of people just think like, well, if I really gave my life over to God, it would be hard and terrible and it'll probably rip me off. I love joy and you love joy too, right? You love joy. Last night, one of the best nights of my life, okay? That game, okay? Now, do, do we ha are there any Eagles fans here? 
Come on, some, some, I know you're in some middle land here. You're thinking maybe the Ravens, but who wants to root for the Ravens? Like, why, there's no Delaware team, the Mud Hens or whatever you are. I don't know where you are. Listen, oh, I don't know. What is the name of it? The Blue Hens. The Blue Hens, Mud Hens. Somebody's the Mud Hens. Okay, listen, listen, listen. That game. Oh, my gosh, the ending of the game. And how many times, Philadelphia fans, how many times have we been there watching the other team end of the game, coming down the field, coming down the field, coming down. You're like, oh, no, don't do it. No, 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 no. And right at the end of the game, they win. Last night, I'm watching the game. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's happening again. Coming down the field, coming down the field. And we stuffed them. We stuffed them in with joy. Okay, so here's what happened. The room I was in, a bunch of Eagles fans, exploded in joy. My son, grown man, and I are dancing up and down like little children, hugging each other. My daughter-in-law's making a video of it, you know. If you watch my Facebook site, you'll probably see that at some point. Good grief. I love joy. Don't you love joy? Don't you love joy? God's not trying to rip you off. It's, you know, we, by the end of the sermon, I'm going to talk about the, what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And one of them is joy. One of the things the Bible says that God will give you as you go along is joy. And so that's, that's what I'm here to talk to you about. I want, to, I want to try to get you from having that feeling of God's calling you into his office. God might want to scold you, limit you, keep you back, whatever. I, I just feel like there would be nothing better for Newark, Delaware than a couple hundred people that are filled with God's joy, the joy of the Lord. You know the joy of the Lord. Let me just show you. Just so you, you give a little yeah, picture here. I'm from here. Wisconsin, if you can tell that by my accent and stuff. Woo. Um, yeah. I, uh, but New Yorkers don't know how to receive my energy. They're always like, hey, what's that on your face? And I'm like, it's a smile. <laughs> yeah, I have joy in my heart. And then I give it all away every day. And then I wake up the next day and I'm like, oh, there's more. Because that's what it feels like to be not from New York. All right, so if I talk to you about being joy, you're probably thinking like, oh no, I've got to be a little more like smiley, right? No, I, I, I want dancing joy, okay? Not like this guy. So, so here's where it splits. Some people, when I say, well, God, God uh, wants to set you free, wants to not kill joy, he's not trying to rip you off. People think like, oh yes, he is. But other people think, I know, I'm supposed to be happier. Or like this, like, <laughs> I don't know what that energy is. I mean, seriously, I could kind of relate. If you see somebody just walking around like, uh, that's not, you know, that's a little scary too, right? So we're not going to go there. I just want to talk to you about what is it that would give us joy, what God is actually trying to do. And I want to uh, read to you a section from a book that was written by a guy named Paul to a church in Asia called the Galatian Church. It's sort of a region of churches, actually, probably several uh, churches all around Asia. And uh, the thing, the thing that Paul was working on is counteracting some people that were coming to these people and uh, trying to limit them to religion, a really limited kind of religion. And Paul comes along and he says, no, it's not it at all. Okay, so let's take a look. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along or it's going to be up here, we're going to look in Galatians uh, 5, starting in verse 13. My brothers and sisters, uh, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the, indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, 
or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not, not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry. You're like, oh no, debauchery's out? No. <laughs> idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this won't inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Spirit of God, be known in this place today uh, to the most veteran follower of you, the person who's kept in step with you as best as they could for years and years and years, and also to a person who's thinking, I don't even know if I want this. I actually do think that God is somehow trying to rip me off, or if I just kind of... Uh, put a smile on the face and kind of like be nicer than other people somehow that's satisfying to God the real deal God the spirit of God alive in people communicating to a world that desperately needs some accurate authentic uh, life-giving non-cynical non-hypocritical kind of expression of what is it like when life gets into it people I pray that you give that to this church in Jesus name amen okay so uh, oops Uh, I want to talk about this idea of freedom, just in general. I'm going to talk about three basic things here that Paul says what's going on here. Uh, His idea is you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. Okay, so here's the deal. We are uh, a people that are meant to to be free. That's the whole idea of this, is that we're, we're meant to be free. And, uh, you know, what does that look like? What, uh, what, what is he actually saying? Well, he's saying, for one thing, uh, switching from your previous way of justifying yourself. Like, everybody's got a system by which they compare themselves to others or compare themselves to their worst self and then make themselves right. And what Paul's saying is, no, there's a whole different thing that is meant for your freedom here. Paul's talking to people here who uh, he calls brothers and sisters, which is, by the way, a great way to do relationship. Like if you've got some other people and you've got a little bit of relationship, that's a great thing to appeal. And, And if you don't have any of that, you might want to work on relating to people. You might want to be able to say to somebody in the middle of a conflict, brother, or maybe you don't use those words, it seems a little... I don't know, like uh, culturally in case to call somebody brother, but just Jim, friend, Chris, don't we have something between us? Haven't we, haven't we walked down a road together? It's not the only thing Paul calls these people here. He, he's called them fools at one part. He's been very, very frustrated with them, but he's coming to the end of his argument in Galatians, and at this point he says, folks, 
we have a thing. We're, we're in a family. Let me just say something. You're called to be free. There's a call on your life. What do you think? Isn't it like, like I, I go places and talk, and I think the number one question that people are interested in, uh, especially if you've kind of given yourself over to Jesus, like what is the call on my life? What am I called to do? What is, what is this thing that's uh, over me? Well, the, the number one thing you're called to is to Jesus. You are called. You, the number one thing God would want you to know is, I picked up the phone and I called you. I'm, I'm interested in you. I, I want you to come to me. I'm not interested in you acting more happy. I'm not, I'm not interested in you like having less fun doing naughty things. I like you. And he calls us. This is, this is a great, great treasure for our hearts that we are, we are called. It's God saying, not, it's not only like uh, Paul, like, uh, you know, leveraging brother and sister relationship. It's God saying, like, I, I want you. You're called. At one point, Paul says this earlier in the book. He says, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Um, that kind of persuasion doesn't come from the one who calls you. And one of the things that a, a person maturing in life and life of the spirit and knowing Christ is to know the voice of the one who calls you. Like, what's he like? What's he up to? If he calls you into his office, what's he trying to do? I mean, let me just step into like grade two here. What if, what if God calls you into his office and he does want to correct you? Ultimately, as you get to know his love for you, you know that's even freeing too. Like he's got something, hey, Mark, come over here. The attitude you took today when you were talking to your wife was not from the spirit. That's not it. All he wants to do is like be yours and you be his. I love the concept of what, what Jesus is doing is, or God's doing is, is no longer are the laws written in stone, but they're written on our heart. As though he's tattooing our hearts with what is deep and what is good and what will set us free. And what is he doing? Well, the number one freedom you have is your, your to God. Now, of course, this freedom looks like something. Earlier in the book, it looked like uh, surrender. Sometimes people have that as a favorite verse, Galatians 2.20. It goes like this. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The one who called you, loved you, and gave himself for you. It's a deep, deep truth for your soul. You are loved by the God who created everything. And because of that, your separation from him caused him to do one basic thing. I will send my son to give himself for you. And this is your freedom. And the only way you're going to enjoy freedom, really enjoy it, is if you finally say, like, now that's what I need. There it is. I love that. And you see, you surrender. And so Paul got this thing. I no longer live this life uh, just by myself. It's Christ that lives in me. I don't, the life I live in body, I now live by faith in the Son of God. I say, I give myself over to this one who loves me. Honestly, the most uncomfortable thing for a believer is to live in a place where you actually believe that's true, what I just said, and then you're not cooperating with it. It's like a bondage. Have you, have you ever seen anybody like kind of tangled up in like even just their understanding of reality? I remember years ago I was uh, helping 
uh, a, a friend in one of, our, one of the churches I was a part of who uh, just struggled with reality, was you know, a marginal kind of person as far as function and everything, and we were helping her move. We went over to her house, and uh, she, she knew for months she was going to move, but, but nothing was prepared. Nothing was even in boxes. So like every item she had, every pen, every letter opener, every coat, every random one shoe out of a set was all just loose. And years of kind of hoarding behavior had happened. And it just was piled up. And she was firing instructions into the air, uh, like, uh, you know, what we should do. And we're just like, oh, my gosh. And the whole time, the whole time she kept saying something like this. I'm, I'm kind of a type A personality. I'm a very organized person. It's just that now something has happened different than that. Like, so she had an explanation in her mind. And like her way of thinking of life was different than the actual thing of her life. And she was bound by her stuff and bound by her clutter. She was being evicted, actually, at the, the time that we were working. And she, it was actually costing her great... She, what she thought is like freedom, like the freedom not to assemble things or box things or whatever, was terrible. The Lord calls you to himself. Let me give you a life. Let me show you a kind of a life. Let me show you a way to move forward. And then that, that life looks like this. If you're in the Lord, and I'm kind of like putting some summary things from Galatians in, but it, it looks like a life of being formed. Uh, sometimes in certain circles you'll hear the term spiritual formation. One of the things that God wants to do is just help you be, grow, we're working a lot in our church. We're really thinking a lot, like, well, what does maturity look like? You've heard of this spiritual maturity, right? Everybody's heard of this. If you're in the church, you know, like, he's a very mature Christian, right? Okay? If you're not in the church, don't worry. You'll hear it later. Okay? But, but you just think about it. And everybody says, you know, mature. And you know, when people say, you know, that means they don't know. Right? People say, you know, he's mature. What does that mean? Well, this is what I think the Bible teaches us, is that uh, Paul said that he's laboring so that Christ would be formed in us. That we are meant to be, in all of our interesting personalities and differences, we're meant to be like Christ. We're meant to be operating in cooperation with the Spirit, praying for people, seeing kind of extremely good things happening when we heal people, uh, uh, having... Having a kind of a, like a freedom from clutter and the freedom from a, like a denial of clutter, a freedom from laws, right? Because everybody's got certain kind of laws. It's not just religious people. There's religious laws, but good grief, there's other kind of laws too. And everybody justifies themselves by their own laws. And all of that kind of binds us into being a very little person. And Jesus comes along. He says, look, I love you. I give my life for you. Surrender. Let's just, just give up trying to have your own way. Just go ahead and admit you might need help. And then I'm going to form myself in you. It's amazing. And some of the things we're going to talk about are more about that. But I have to leave that to your pastor to just fill you in more about what does it mean when somebody's mature. But ultimately what it looks like is this. It looks like Christ is being formed in you. And you're starting to take on the character of Christ. Uh, we think of it in... in uh, four kind of categories, like in your character, what you are, what you essentially are, in the way you act, in the way you relate to other people, in the way you think about reality, 
you will start to take on the thoughts and the behaviors of Jesus Christ. It's the highest thing a human could be. This is your calling. You're principally called to him. You're called to freedom. And then you're called to be like in sync with the spirit of God. You are meant to be linked up with God's spirit and have the spirit of God with you constantly leading you into life. Now, sometimes you like that and sometimes you don't. I have a quote on the wall in my office that says, the, the hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men. And his compulsion is our liberation. All right, you want to say that one again? The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men. And his compulsion, what he is driving for, is for you to be free in the spirit. You to be free from a bunch of uh, self-made understandings of yourself and self-made justifications or some religious kind of box to fit into. You are to be utterly free. And sometimes God being kind will seem hard to you. So that's one of the things we got to talk about. That's one of the the realities as we uh, face into this, okay? And then I would just say, so there's freedom, but then also here's his plan. So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he, he goes on. Now, the, the flesh just means that way which you naturally are, okay? It doesn't mean your body, okay? It doesn't mean chili con carne. It's, in this case, the flesh just means... It's a funny word. So it's weird translation work. But basically, <clears throat> it's like a literal translation. But what it, what it means is this. That thing that comes naturally and that thing which is opposed to the way of God... You have to face this. If you're like putting together reality, if this is the, the day you say, oh my gosh, that guy was teaching us such good things, I have a new reality. Okay, uh, good. It's even better than a sweatshirt. But I do love that sweatshirt, by the way. I've been kind of coveting one of those, okay? So that's a great gift. You've misunderstood me, Christian. It's not that I don't like clothing. I only like some clothing. And most people get it wrong. You actually nailed it. Okay. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. God's got a plan for you. He's got a plan. And, and, and you have to face up to the fact that there's something in you that will sometimes oppose that. You probably can't even really explain to yourself, why am I so opposed? Like, God's been good to me before. Why do, I, why, do I, like, why do I resist God ever? I don't know, but that's just the way it is. So he says this. Rather than getting like a box full of laws or a book full of laws or two stone tablets full of laws and then saying just, you know, do it or die, try this. I say walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, if you can walk by the Spirit, the other stuff falls away as having a great appeal. If you learn the way of love, um, contempt becomes less and less attractive as any kind of tool to do any kind of thing, right? If somehow peace comes to your soul, anger loses its appeal to provide you much. I don't think anger is a very good tool. I actually know how to be angry really well, okay? It's just one of those things that just wired into me, like when, when somehow, you know, I just can't get my life to meet up with what's going on, I can get angry pretty quick, but it doesn't ever serve me, really. And there's something about this, like, look, you know, I don't, I don't want to kind of keep going to anger. I don't want to go to contempt when I look down on somebody else. Do you ever have that? Do you notice it's like all throughout every part of our culture right now? 
those you don't disagree, those you don't agree with, you despise, you disdain. It's natural. It comes. It's in our soul. One of those, those things that that nasty list I read. Some of that stuff comes real natural to you. Probably not all of it. If so, I will talk to you afterwards. You're like a case study. I'm bad at everything, you know. But listen, this stuff comes naturally. And what he says is, look, walk by the Spirit. No, he doesn't say, don't gratify the things of the flesh and you'll be able to walk by the Spirit. It's a, it's, keep this straight. Okay, I'm a skier. All right, so I, like there's very few part, uh, sports that I could stand up here and say, uh, here's a sport that I do really well, but I'm actually an expert skier. I'm quite good at it. And uh, this is what I know about skiing. Most adults, when they learn how to ski, ski like they ski like this. They're back on their skis, and they're like, what they're mostly trying to do is not fall down. Okay, so this is an adult kind of learning how to ski. Like, uh, the ski lift's a whole other thing, right? You know, like getting off the lift. And, and you just see somebody's genuine, basically athletic person they're, they'll spend a, a ton of energy on not falling. They're, they'll be like, okay. You know who's great at learning how to ski? Little kids. Little kids, you're like, put, for their center of gravity is like this high, and you just put them down. Like, they can't, they can't do anything except ski anyway, right? You just put them down on a little slippery thing, and they're like, wah! And there's nothing more frustrating if you're a generally competent adult to see some little Rugrats passing you by on either side. They're like, "Wee, what's wrong with you?" Okay, so here's the deal: the old people like me, you know, you learn how to ski. I actually was young when I learned, but the other old people, they get on and they they do one thing: they put on the brakes. And how do you put on the brakes? Like you got a horse, you pull back on the horse, right? When you pull back on your skis, when you put your weight back on your skis, what you basically do is flip your, uh, the tips of your skis up in the air. They become like water skis. It's exactly how snow skis do not work well. It only gets you one thing, uncontrolled speed, right? You go like this up on your skis, and it's just like, ah! And you've seen these people going down the mountain, ah! You see the Olympics next month? What are these guys going to be doing? The fastest guys. They'll be out over their skis, knees pressed towards the tips. All the controls there. They are skiing. These people, ah, they're not skiing. They're surviving. Or not. (laughs) Paul says, look, walk with the Spirit. Give yourself over to this thing. Stop trying to like have parts of it for yes, parts of it for no. Stop trying to just survive. How little can I get by? Give yourself over to put your weight on your skis. Ski. It's in the Greek. <laughs> Ski by the Spirit. Like, give yourself over to this. There is a good God who loves you. He's not trying to rip you off at all. In fact, skiing is so much fun. You ever spend a day out there on the slope trying to survive yourself? You come home all broken, bruised. It's, I could tell you stories, okay? But there's nothing I like, like being out on my skis, some tunes in my ears, and skiing fast, under control, the way the whole system works. That's what love is supposed to be like. That's what peace is supposed to be like. That's what patience is supposed to be That's what faith is supposed to be like. With God, doing something amazing, out there going for it. You know, you do not plan a church by trying to survive. 
You've planned a church by putting it all out there and going for it. And I just applaud you guys for doing that. You are giving yourself something over to, to, the, to the, the magnification of God's glory in this area. This world is so starved for a representation of what God is really like. A God of grace, a God of salvation, a God of joy and peace and gentleness. And you are his way. The only way to give yourself over to is stop trying to have a part at a time. You must surrender over to his way. He is trying to free you into an incredible experience. And it will come with surrender. It will come by uh, not religion, not by like, I'm going to try not to break a rule today. No, you wake up in the morning and say, God, whatever you have for me today, I want to know about it. I want to cooperate with you. If you don't help me, I will be bad at it. Right? But I give myself over to you today, God. I want, I want, to have, I want the, the full life, the abundant life. I think you talked about that last week. Now let me just close with this. He wants you to move. I love this passage. I would, I would love to tell you what all those sins mean. The, the, the acts of the, the flesh are obvious, Paul says. And then he says, and the fruit of the Spirit... Love, peace, patience, all those things. I could break them down. They're so much fun to talk about. Uh, honestly, let me just say this about those, those things where he compares the acts of the flesh. And you go home with Galatians 5 one day. Just do this little exercise. Go home, read the acts of the flesh, read the fruit of the Spirit, and then say, would I like to live on a street where the acts of the flesh were the dominant functions of this, this, uh, this street? Or would I like to live on a street where people treat me with kindness, where they're patient with me when I, when I fail them, when they're gentle, they use their strength under control, where they're faithful, they keep their words. It's not a world where people say something just to get you to believe it, to get you to do something else, but they're faithful, where the general ethos, the only ethos that is a Christian ethos, love rules. Okay, the only thing that really matters is love, and Galatians actually says that several times only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love right do you want to live on that street or do you want to live on a street that gives itself over to debauchery to lying to deception to all that cruddy list okay now you want to receive that that's that is god's built-in thermometer for you which do i prefer and now the spirit of god is going to say something to you like do you want to learn how to be patient when others uh, come up short. Do you want to learn how to be gentle? Do you want to learn how to be genuinely good? The answer God has for the evil of this world is people who are good. And Christ, of course, is good. Do you want to learn that? Come. And then he says this. If you live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And you might look at that as like some kind of marching orders or some kind of walking thing. I think of this as dancing.
he's coming up to help me. Okay. All right. I'm so out of time now. Let me just say one thing. This is just my last thing about this. When you think about, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Think about it like this. Like music. Like these incredible musicians that you have here. What if, what if all of heaven is playing a kind of music and when somebody's cooperating with it, when you see somebody that is just kind of really saturated in the fruit of the Spirit, you just think, like, oh, these are people who just know how to dance. They've kept in step with the music. I'll, I'll, I'll close with this one thought. You will have to practice. This guy who was the groom in this thing. And by, by the way, I thank God that this trend of dancing for your bride was not in existence when I got married. Okay? I am so glad that my marriage wasn't for Pinterest or anything like that. Okay? I was able to just stand up there and talk, which is something that comes a little natural to me. Okay? I thank God for that. Okay? But this guy, Brian, said this. For three months, those, the, uh, he and the guys, I don't know how many of the guys, they, they told their wives that they were going bowling. Okay, every Wednesday night, they said, we're going bowling. And what they were doing was meeting at a guy's garage and practicing the moves. If something's spiritual, it doesn't mean that you don't have to practice it. You have to practice love every day of your life to get good at it. You have to practice being good when nobody's looking every day of your life to be good. But if you do that, if a church would be raised up here that hears the music of heaven, like it's not just bitterness and hatred and deception and hypocrisy. Just the whole world is not that. There's another music. I hear it in Jesus. I, I see it in my friends. How do I dance like that? Well, you give yourself over to it. You probably make a lot of mistakes. You do a lot of things wrong. And I think those are very pleasing to the Lord, as are our children's little artworks that they make. Right? Their dance. I hear you had a little thing here for Christmas. They're dancing, singing, and stuff like that. I'll bet you it wasn't like Broadway, but I'll bet you it was great. Practice. Practice the things of God. Cooperate with the Spirit. He loves you. He calls you to Himself. And he's raising up a church here that will change Delaware and the East Coast and the world. I love you guys. I'll do anything I can to help you. I believe in this church. I believe in Christians so much. He is a good man. He is a good man. Let's worship God. Why don't you stand up? Some folks in the back that will pray for you. If you'd just like to pray your way into this, like, man, I'm never going to be able to do something that has occurred to me today if God doesn't help me. We'll go over there, and those people will help you by praying for you. Let's worship God.